Are you sick of being told that you need to become a boss babe building her empire? Ugh. Is your preferred state actually vegetative in front of some reality TV? Do celebrities mean more to you than your actual family? If so, we're your gals. I'm Lauren. I'm Chandler. And we are the Pop Apologists. We're two sisters who every Wednesday catch up on the most important things in life, like reality TV, celebrity gossip, and our shared love of not working hard, but working soft. Or not at all. Listen along as we divulge the hottest takes we can give without getting canceled. Like the oppressive societal norm that in addition to paying my bills, I need to have impressive hobbies. Or the fact that every single holiday on Instagram has been ruined by shameless thirst traps. Or that the fastest way to really know a man is to look at his explore page. Tune in every Wednesday to our pod, Pop Apologists. Pop Apologists, wherever podcasts are found. Welcome to the Dames Who Dish podcast. So, Anne. Yes. Manscaped. What is it? Is it? Is it? We are sponsored by Manscaped. We're sponsored by Manscaped. And autumn is in the air. Pumpkins are in the patch. And our friends at Manscaped are here to make sure your man doesn't carve his pants pumpkins <laughs> when he's grooming. <laughs> Safety first. I still, I still don't know what you mean by that. <laughs> oh, God. You have to make sure your man's keeping things fresh this fall. With the leaders in male grooming and their brand new fourth generation performance package, ladies, do we really want to cuddle up with a dude who isn't trimmed? No. no. Let's say it again. <laughs> no. Nor do I not want my nose, my ears, my crotch not <laughs> trimmed. It's for ladies too. Your lady parts. Keep them trimmed. This is not only for men. It's for women too. You can order Manscaped at manscaped.com. Use our code DAMESWHODISH for 20% off and free shipping. That's it. 20% off and free shipping. Keep yourself and your man groomed yes. this fall. Hey, we would like to welcome Zach Peter, who's extremely accomplished. She's a published author um, an activist, a podcast host, a YouTube host. What else, Zach? I mean, there is there anything you don't do? Uh, I'm a wine connoisseur now. Oh, that's right. That's Your right. wine. Yeah. What is going on with this wine? I, it's I'm a amazing. Hustler, baby. Own it, baby. Own it. We love a hustler. What wine are you drinking this evening? Tonight, inspired by the Beverly Hills reunion this week, I'm drinking I Stole Kim's Goddamn House because Tom Girardi <laughs> probably stole that too. And where can we find your wine? Yeah, so it's a Housewives-inspired rosé, 14% alcohol by volume, less than a gram of sugar, available at nofilterwine.com. Whoa, whoa, whoa. 14% in that little can? (laughs) 14% in this little can, so I made sure they pack a punch. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Four to a box, or how many do you get? So you them individually in eight packs, or there's the 12-pack variety pack that has all four of our original designs. And then we have a new Potomac-inspired can that's limited edition. What kind of wine is it? It's rosé. It's, it's a fizzy all, rosé. all rosé. Oh, fizzy. It's a, yeah, it's light. It's crisp. It's a little fizzy. So it's good for the people like myself that like a drier wine. But it's also really good for people that like a sweeter wine because the fizzy, it's not sweet. There's less than a gram of sugar in it. So you shouldn't be too hungover the next morning. But you will be Liddy City. But it's, it's easy on the palate across the board. 
I need to get some because I'm actually drinking a a fizzy rosé right now. So I need to try what? your Ooh. wine. Yeah, we need to order that. You do a lot of lives. You do, like your YouTube channel. What is your favorite form that you do? Because you do so many. What do you like doing the best? You know, I think I've lately, uh, I have an appreciation for the Instagram lives that I do because it's it's fun and it's more interactive. Obviously, I taped the podcast. We released uh, full audio episodes and now we release full video episodes on YouTube. But... I go live every Tuesday nights. We do book clubs. So we just finished Erica Jane's book, Pretty Mess. We dissected that piece by piece. And on Thursdays, we go live with whatever breaking news or tea is happening. Or sometimes they're just Q&A lives. And it's just, it's fun. I, I like interacting with people. I like um, getting a little lit with people while we're all drinking some rosé, gossiping about housewives. I always tape them in the evening. So we're usually imbibing and having a good time. Sounds like us. So you are, we were talking about it a little bit. You are the Erica Jane subject matter expert, without a doubt. You've had some really good guests on. You've had a little bit of a run-in with uh, Mr. Ronald Richards. <laughs> a little bit. A little bit. And, you know, I started off thinking that, uh, what is his part in all of this? Because I thought, okay, he's a reliable source. He was on everybody's podcast at first. And now his credibility has kind of diminished from before. So give us a little scoop on Mr. Richards and his part in the whole Erica Jane thing. Yeah, so... I once too found him to be a very credible source. I was one of the first podcasters to have him on my show early in the year, way before he was even greenlit onto the case. So his role in the case is he's acting as special counsel for the Girardi Keith bankruptcy. So there are two bankruptcies. There's Tom Girardi's personal bankruptcy, and then there's the Girardi Keith. Girardi Keith is everything that went on within the law firm, which is why Erica Girardi's now being pulled into it because they are saying that she received received an accumulation of $25 million over the course of 12 years that was paid from Girardi Keith to her LLC, EJ Global. So Ronald Richards was brought on by the trustee to investigate Erica specifically. And I think somewhere along the way, obviously, as you guys know, when it comes to housewives, like it's a hot topic. Everybody has an opinion. The news is always covering it. Fans are, you know, super invested. And I think, you know, and I've, I've had very candid conversations with him privately, one on one, as well as, you know, on, on Twitter, as many people have seen, um, <laughs> where I've, I've said, I think he's lost, uh, he's lost scope of where he's supposed to be focusing his attention. And I think he should be focusing on trying to help the victims. And in this case, it seems like there are a lot of like media tricks and, you know, let me jump on every YouTube stream. Let me talk to every press outlet. Let me give, you know, these bogus exclusives to try and get my name out there because I'm probably not going to end up getting much money out of this. Yeah, we've seen, I, I think he enjoys the, um, the notoriety for sure. Yeah, which is unfortunate. I mean, listen, a high profile lawyer deserves the credit that they, you know, if they do the work, they deserve the credit and they deserve to go do a press tour. Do it when you finish the investigation. Do it when the bankruptcy is closed and everybody wants to know how you did it. Then I'll go out and I'll buy your book. But like right now, you're going and working off of speculative in information that is yet to be proven. I mean, even when it comes to the $25 million that they're trying to get her for, 
they still haven't even proven that she owes that money. You know, there are, they're saying that they were loans. They look more like tax write-offs rather than loans. Um, there's no actual formal loan agreement that has terms of like, well, how much is being loaned? When is it going to be paid back? Is there any interest? Like all of those terms are usually broken down when there's an actual loan. So they have to put together a formal case before a judge. And then a judge has to actually determine what she has to pay back. This is also an accumulation of expenses over the course of 12 years. So obviously statute of limitations is gonna get involved and that's gonna factor in how much she's gonna have to pay. So when he's out there going on Twitter or going to the press saying she owes $25 million, that doesn't necessarily, yes and no. Like we need to actually do a formal investigation. We need a forensic accounting of the Girardi Keys books. The judge needs to actually make a judgment or she needs to, to settle in some way. But like the case is far from being done. Yeah. Well, and you mentioned for him to get paid. He's only getting paid off of the money he gets. And that money should go to the victims, right? I mean, he's going to take a percentage of this money. He's not doing it in out of or the kindness of his heart. Right. That's another issue that I've had with him is he likes to go on these podcasts and say that he's doing this out of the goodness of his heart and say that he's fronting the bills himself, which is true. He likes to speak in half truths. So yes, that is technically true. He is fronting the bill currently, but he does get those expenses paid back at the end. So yes, you are spending the money up front, but you will get those reimbursed. You do get a 40 to 45% commission, which is standard in the state of California. But given the circumstances, do you really need a 40 to 45% commission? That to me is a little high. But again, like I, I believe everybody deserves to get paid for the work that they put in. I just wish that if it truly were about the victims, we would see different behavior, especially since he's working on behalf of the trustee within the Girardi Keys bankruptcy. And anybody that actually looks into the Girardi Keys bankruptcy, the first people that are getting their payouts will be Ron the trustee, and then the banks and lenders. So the victims are actually way at the back of the line when it comes to the trust front to the bankruptcy. Wow. And I'm glad you clarified the 25 million because we were under the impression initially when we heard that sum of money that it was a lump sum that was given right. to Erica. And that's not the case at all. No, and that's one of the biggest misconceptions is people think that there was just a big lump sum of $25 million or that they were transfers to her LLC, you know, even over the course of time, which isn't true either. So what was happening was she had a personal Amex card that said Erica Girardi on it. It wasn't a business card. It wasn't a Girardi Keys card. It was a personal Amex card and other personal expenses that helped fund her music career she would get the bills and, and pass the invoices over to Tom and have Tom take care of it. We now know that Tom wasn't paying for it out of their personal pocket. He was paying for it from Girardi Keese money. And we now know that Girardi Keese owed a lot of unpaid settlements to former clients. So when she and her lawyer say Erica never received any of the money, that's true. He never gave her any of the money and the money was never transferred into her account. It was bills. It was value received, the bills that he was paying on her behalf. And that is such a huge difference. I know you're getting a lot of uh, criticism for being Erica Jane's supporter. Supporter. Yeah. You and Lisa Rinna, I guess, are the only Erica yeah. Jane supporters, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> but you're just breaking down the truth. People don't like to hear that, though. They want to villainize her, which, listen, yeah. I don't think she's totally innocent in all this, mainly just by her behavior, to be fair. I question the divorce. 
I think she may have started to put pieces together and maybe started to put to um, build down the the railroad tracks to help get her to the freedom that she. I mean, freedom's a loose loose term, but I don't think she really understood what Tom was doing until everything really kind of broke. And I know a lot of people like to consider me a Erica supporter. I'm a supporter of the truth and the facts as I see them in front of me. So currently. None of what I see, she hasn't been charged criminally. There is no criminal investigation against her. Um, they're fighting for this $25 million and they've been investigating this for almost, what, a year now, and they've come up with not very much. So based off of what's in front of me, I don't see her as guilty. Is she tone deaf and tactless on social media? Sure. But I'm, I'm also looking at it from the lens of like, well, a guilty person runs and hides. A guilty person isn't putting their life. A guilty person that has offshore accounts that they can live off of isn't going to go on a reality show and continue to live their life out in the public. Look at all the other lawyers that worked at Girardi Keys. We don't hear a peep out of them. Look at Tom Girardi's daughter and his son-in-law that worked at the firm. David Lira, his son-in-law, worked on the Boeing plane crash case with the orphans and the, widow, the widows that we keep hearing about. He has gone radio silent, is hiding and pleading the fifth. A guilty person... I believe, and I'm not accusing David Lira of being guilty, but I'm just saying a guilty person I think is more likely to run, hide, and take their offshore account and just like try to not make a media spectacle, which is the opposite of what I think she's doing. I think she's fighting for whatever life she can have after this. Now, since you just broke down her book, was there any good tidbits of information like in hindsight now, or was it all just kind of, you know, basic information? No, there were some really good, I mean, the first couple of chapters really get into her upbringing and her childhood, where you understand some of the behavior we see presented on Housewives now. Like, we understand now why she snapped at Sutton, because she gets into a story about how one time she got into a big fight because her grandmother called her a liar, and calling her a liar is just one thing she says that she'll never settle for, and that's like the one line in the sand. So, you know, we found little interesting revelations like that. She talks about um, her music career and how they never really expected to, to get an ROI from it. So when you see Tom writing off these expenses on the books as investments, you know, that doesn't look so good because it's her, you know, it's a contrast to what he was doing on the books, her saying that they never expected to make any money and that there was very little ROI. She does talk about the tax returns and how she signs, you know, their joint tax returns. So his money is her money as well, which I know some people find really incriminating because they're like, well, then if his money is your money as well, then his debts should be your debts as well, especially considering you're still legally married to him in the state of California. Um, but you also have to understand that there's his personal debts and then there's Girardi Keys debts. She shouldn't be responsible for the business debts. She should be responsible for his personal debts. And right now everybody's looking at the, you know, estimated hundred million dollar debt that was owed or accumulation of debt that's owed on behalf of Girardi Keys. Ooh. Yeah. It's pretty interesting. I mean, the more you the more I hear about it and the more I listen to it, the less I think that she had knowledge of all of it. I think she may have been wise to some of it toward the end. Yeah. Um, like you said, and then, you know, decided to pull the trigger and now's the time. But I mean, will we ever know? We well, will never well, know. Supposedly she answers all the questions at the reunion. Don't know how deep she goes. Answering the questions and giving us clear answers, I think, are two different things. 
we'll we'll see. But I feel like the other hard part, and this is where I get a lot of backlash too, is I feel like a lot of people are watching the show from the lens of trying to find her, say something incriminating or slip up on something versus actually trying to listen objectively and then put the pieces together, you know, like with all the stories with Tom driving off into the, uh, into the ding dong ditch and her son <laughs> flipping his car over five times, you know, yeah, yeah, you know, I look at it as like, okay, when we tell a story and we're like, oh my God, you'll never believe what happened. My son was just in a car accident. He flipped his car over five times. You know, there's hyperbole that comes into it. So I don't take every single word that she says as gospel because I think, you know, last year my aunt was in a car accident and my grandpa called me. He's like, oh my God, the car tipped over back and forth three times and it flipped over in the middle of the street. And I'm like, doesn't she have like an SUV and she was hit by like a Honda Civic, but yeah, her car flipped over three times. And he's like, yeah. And I was like, is everybody okay? And he's like, yeah, nobody's hurt at all. And I'm like, okay, I don't know if I fully, so as humans, I think we like to embellish the details. So I think too many people are looking at everything she's saying with the intention of picking it apart to incriminate her. I would agree with that. It's so, we were just saying though, it's, fascinating watching it unfold just watching it all i do feel bad for like the crystals who didn't really get their story told this year and we barely got to know her because erica's story took over but yeah. it's still really but it's still really good one of those some good probably TV. the best best season of i don't know if it's the best season of housewives going back one yeah of- no thank you i'm glad somebody finally said it because everyone's like oh everyone's watching this season for sutton and garcelle and i'm like are they though? (laughs) Like they're watching them because they're participating in the storyline. And what is the storyline? The storyline is Erica Girardi's legal scandal. That's what everyone's tuning in for. That's why like nobody's watching this reunion because they want to know how Sutton's house is doing or Garcelle's (laughs) Bumble profile. Like, let's be honest. Like we can call a spade a spade and say, we're tuning in for Erica Jane's train wreck of a life. That's not necessarily giving her all the credit, but like, you have to give some credit because that's what we're literally watching for that. We're not watching for another panty gate or watching for Dorit's bridal <laughs> line. I love me some Dorit, but I'm not watching to see how this bridal line progresses. Let's let's move over then for Jen Shaw. Same thing with Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. I'm watching to see the Jen <laughs> Shaw story unfold. We want to see the feds pick up Jen. That's why we're watching. Exactly. The first couple of minutes of that new season where they have the feds coming in and that, I mean, that's the reality. We're watching it for, we, our culture tunes into scandal. We don't turn away from it. We like to watch the crane, the train wreck. Um, And so with Jen Shaw, I think it is a little different with her though, because she has actually been charged criminally. She's been arrested by the feds. They had a years long investigation into her. She has other people that are corroborating and, you know, testifying against her. So to me, her case is a lot murkier and she looks a lot more guilty and i am going to be watching with a more skeptical lens of her oh and i think Stu chains is going to take a plea deal and he is going to sing like a canary and spill it all what do you think i hope so i mean (laughs) it's interesting because we and that's what i thought too until i started watching this season and you see the relationship that he has with her and they seem to have a very like close brotherly sisterly type of relationship that i mean i'm hoping he flips on her well i mean we'll have to see what happens i think you know i 
hope that there is justice done there because like i said we have the feds the feds don't mess around it's also really weird that they still call stew chains her assistant he's clearly not her assistant and he's like 20 years older than her i don't know it's like (laughs) and he's married (laughs) it's weird so odd but like what is his role like ceo of corruption like what is conspirator a co-conspirator. <laughs> yeah, she's afraid to let him out of her sight because of what he might say. I thought he might be in jail, but he's not, is he? I thought he was. He, he yeah. was arrested, but he's not in. I think he was also released with her. Okay. Didn't they find like $120,000 cash or something? Yeah, in he his had a large sum of cash <laughs> in his home. Yeah, he's... At this point, he's probably going to have to cut a deal and flip on her, or he'll work with her, and together they'll flip on somebody else. I don't know how they're going to play it. Yeah, but I that's... wouldn't be surprised if he stood by her, considering how much she probably knows about him, too, and what well, his role is. Yeah, she's kind of hinted at some of that. But talk about tone deaf. I mean, her social media is a fucking disaster. Free Jen shot, like literally fresh out of court, and she's like, Get in my hair, did. <laughs> I'm like, her tagline, the only thing I'm guilty of is being amazing. But wasn't that done? It had to have been done before. Seeing all, no, seeing all her it confessionals. Had to have been done after because no. she, she said the only thing I'm guilty of is being shaming. Oh my God, you're right. I didn't even think about that. She really thinks she's going to get away with this. Yeah, she. Well, we saw in the trailer. She's like, "Do we need to get Kim Kardashian on this case?" I'm just like, <laughs> "Somebody help her, please." This is worse than Erica Jane's thirst traps on Instagram. Yeah, it's pretty bad. So, what do you think about Coach Shaw and his part mm-hmm. in all of this? See, it's really murky when it comes to Coach Shaw because he has a background in law. Mm -hmm. So he understands this. So I wouldn't be surprised if he was helping to coach her through some of this stuff. Because we know that the feds have been investigating her for a while. They've questioned her in the past prior to joining Housewives. So I'm sure she went to him and asked him for some sort of legal advice. I mean, if you have a lawyer at home, why pay for one? You have a lawyer at home that can help guide you through some of this. Yeah, and I think that's what's going to hang her because she was basically caught doing some unsavory stuff and she changed the way that she approached this business of hers but continued to still do what she was doing. So she was kind of warned, but she just changed her way of doing it and continued to do it. Yeah, I mean, definitely blinded by her own ego to think that, you know, she could continue to do it and get away with it. Like, at some point you would think, okay, maybe I just, like, do something else now. Yeah. You know? Pull back. Yeah, not keep (laughs) dancing this very fine line, especially considering, like, the other people that were involved that were getting arrested and indicted, like... You know, you you saw the writing on the wall for a while, and it's like, well, did she join Housewives because she was she was too delusional to think she would ever get caught, yeah. or was it she was trying to be a Teresa Judice and be like, if I'm going down, at least I have this to fall back on? Yeah, and we said it from the beginning because whenever a housewife can't describe or can't fully articulate what their job is and how they make their money, you know damn well they're freaking guilty of something. <laughs> They just are. No, yeah, absolutely. I mean, none of her friends could describe it. I mean, Heather Gay was on Watch What Happens Live talking about how, you know, she knew that Jen's business was unsavory. She just (laughs) didn't know that it was illegal. I'm like, okay, that's a friend. (laughs) 
It's wow. Just, it's all, it's so wild. So on um, your podcast, you were talking about the Lisa Rinna also lawsuit against the paparazzi or the paparazzi lawsuit against Lisa Rinna. I didn't even realize how all of that worked. Can you explain that for our listeners? Yes. So there's an agency called Backgrid that it's currently suing Lisa Rinna for $1.2 million for a copyright infringement lawsuit. They have, they're representing a paparazzi that took photos of Lisa Rinna and her daughters while they were out. I want to say this was, they, the photos were from last summer, but took a photo of them while they were walking out with their mask on, like not even really paying attention. And Lisa ended up posting those photos in jest on her Instagram account, kind of just as a joke, like making fun of the photos. And the paparazzi said, hey, I own the copyright to those photos. You are not allowed to post them on Instagram. Therefore, I'm going to sue you for damages. And he's suing her for, I believe, eight photographs total of like $1.2 million. And she's trying to fight back. She was like, look, I, I figured I may have to pay something because it's standard for paparazzi to go after celebrities. Like we've seen them do this a million times. They've done it to the Kardashians. You know, Khloe Kardashians had to pay out uh, settlements in the past to the point where now she just buys all of these photos from like, get. I, I would assume like Getty Images, which is where the paparazzi post the photos. So she buys them in order to post them on her Instagram account. Then you have someone like Kim Kardashian who's like, well, I'm not even going to pay for them. I'm just going to hire my own paparazzi to come <laughs> around and take these photographs with me so that the person next to you, even though they're getting essentially the same photo, I don't have to pay that person. I'm just paying you to take these photos of me. So uh, celebs have found their way around it. Gigi Hadid was also recently involved in one of these paparazzi lawsuit cases where they try to sue her for copyright only to then find out that the photos that they tried to sue her for weren't even copywritten. They never filed for those photos so she was able to get away with it so lisa rin is now hoping to take the case to the supreme court mm. and try to have something done where they either i mean i don't know what her goal or objective is necessarily i know she's trying to make an example out of it obviously they're trying to make an example the argument that she's claiming is that this specific paparazzi or that this agency backgrid is suing that the number of lawsuits they filed in 2020 had skyrocketed because they're not making as much money off of celebrities because most of them are they have hats on they have masks on you can't really identify them you can't find them out and about anymore so they're not making the money that they were used to and not only that but social media has really change that whole tabloid culture where now us weekly and people magazine are more likely to use a photo that the celebrity posted of themselves on instagram rather than using a professional paparazzi photo because they don't have to pay for the instagram picture they just have to give credit so she's her legal team is arguing that this is more of a cash grab because the paparazzi industry has taken a big hit within the covid world of you know not being able to sell as many photos or get as many photos of celebrities so if she had posted those and tagged this guy or gave credit to him would that have been okay no i think she would have had to have purchased the photos gotten the copyright license to be able to reuse them and given credit wow, wow. i didn't even realize i i mean really i thought they're pictures of her why can't she use them yeah that's kind of where my head goes is i'm like i understand that these are public figures but at the same time like this wasn't a photograph that she posed. It's not a red carpet photo, you know, where even those you have to pay for as well. But like, 
it's simply an innocuous photo of her just walking out down the street with her daughters that a paparazzi takes. Like at some point you would think that even though she didn't own the photo itself, she's still the subject of the photo and the paparazzi didn't necessarily have to get her permission to take that photo of her and profit off of her image and likeness. So I would think that at some point the subject of the photo would have some rights to that photo as well. Yeah, you'd think. It's a, but that's not yeah. how copyright law works, yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the Real Housewives Ultimate Girls Trip. I know you talked a little bit about it on your Instagram Live and your Instagram Stories, I believe. But So tell us what you know and what we can expect. Do you have any tea on this? Yes. So, I mean, it looks like it's... Uh, I mean, I personally think the second season, look, the cast looks a lot better than the first season because mm-hmm. you have, like, Dorinda and Brandon Glanville and Vicky and, and, and Phaedra and Tamara. So I'm really looking forward to the second season. Bluestone Manor. <laughs> at Bluestone Manor, yes. But the first season we know has like some of the OGs. We have Kyle, we have Kenya, we have Cynthia, we have Dorinda and Luann, we have Melissa and Teresa. And so they all go on vacation, the Turks and Caicos. It's going to be dropping. I'm into, I think they haven't confirmed it yet, but I think it's probably going to be about six episodes long. They're dropping the first three episodes on November 18th. And we saw the trailer. It doesn't look super dramatic. I think they tried to make it really look, look really dramatic. There's obviously some tensions between Ramona and Kenya, which we heard about when they had first filmed. Tensions between Kyle and Cynthia, Teresa and Melissa. And, I mean, it looks like they're just having a good old girls trip. What, a couple of things that stood out that I think I'm really excited for is that we're really going to be breaking the fourth wall. So on Housewives, we see them, you know, Lisa Renna says, I'm going to plan a trip and we're all going to go on this trip and this is going to be my trip or this is going to be my event. And the girls are like, okay, Lisa Renna, you're flying us out to Mykonos or wherever. Yeah. You know, we kind of have to play with that story. Whereas in this case, they're breaking that template and, you know, we're acknowledging that Peacock is the one that brought all these women together. They have some pretty candid conversations. I know they talk about like their, how they ended up getting cast on the show and how, you know, their housewife's journey. So I think we're going to get some of like the fun history of housewives with these women, which I think is nice if we're going to do an all-star series, like let's not just throw them together, but let's talk about their journey as a housewife. Like let's peel back that curtain. I know each of the women each plans one of the days on the trip. So Kenya has a day, Kyle has a day. So it'll be interesting to see who plans what necessarily. Kyle and Mauricio were actually the ones that got them the house because that's an agency listing out in the Turks and Caicos. Of course. Of course, that's why we see Mauricio make a little cameo. Yeah, I thought so. So, yeah, a lot of a lot of fun stuff to to come on. So, um, do you think cuz Andy's talked about this a little bit and he said that because people have asked him before like why don't you do like an, a housewives all-star like crossover and he said he wouldn't do it until it was close to the end. So, do you think this is kind of the beginning of the end of housewives franchises in general? Yes and no. I mean, I think we see, like, look at what happened with New York. Look at Dallas. Look at Miami. You know, we've had so many of these shows. I mean, now they're trying to reboot Miami, but, like, we've had so many of these shows that have grown stale, and we need to rework the formula somehow or do something, and I think that's why they're coming up with all of these, like, spinoffs. And, you know, we have um, Winter House, and we have Ultimate Girls Trip, where they're you know, few, putting together some of these casts to create new shows, essentially, and, you know, 
banking off of the likability of the original show. So I think we're going to see a bit of that a little bit more as reality TV continues to kind of unfold. But I think that we probably are going to see an end to the traditional Housewives format as we know it currently. I would say probably within the next five years, that's it's not going to be what it is now. It's either going to be a combination of these fusion shows. Maybe it's going to be more competition shows with these stars. I feel like they're going to have oh, to boy. reinvent and revamp this all together. Like, I, could you imagine, though, if they did like a charm school competition oh, show? Oh, my God. Imagine putting like Ramona and Kenya in a charm school together. Oh, like, my God. like that would actually be such a hot mess that we wouldn't be able to turn away from. So I think the shows will evolve. And what we know is of, as the current Housewives series will grow, I think too, they're trying to revamp them. I know like on OC, they're bringing back Heather and they're trying to revamp uh, New York. So, and they're trying to revamp Atlanta by bringing back Sheree. They're trying to get Nikki to, or not Nikki, um, Nini to film a couple of scenes. They got Nikki into the Potomac reunion, Nicki Minaj. So they're trying to mix things up and, and freshen it up. You have to freshen it up. I love just the different ladies from all the different areas together because you know that certain ones think they're up here and that the other ones are down here. So we also know Vicky thinks she's, well, she is the OG of the OC. Um, but you know the New York Housewives think they're above everybody else. <laughs> they have, oh, yeah. but they don't have the money that you know. I mean, it used to be all about the opulence and the money, and now it's like Tamara doesn't have that much money, and either does I don't. I don't imagine Kenya. I don't know where she gets all her money from. I know she acts like she has a lot of money. I just can't imagine where where all this money is coming from. Her production company. I mean, yeah, yeah, that's where she's making her money. Um, she's doing some Tom Girardi stuff. She's, I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of the housewives and their husbands, if that's how they were making their money. But I mean, yeah, I mean, of that, I mean, of that group of OGs, at least from the first season of Ultimate Girls Trip, I think Kyle's the only one that really has money, money. Yeah, yeah. maybe Ramona. I mean, Ramona does have a house in the Hamptons as well as a place in the city. Yeah, Ramona has money. I think she's smart at investing her money. Mm -hmm. You know, she obviously did really well in business prior to Housewives, so I think she was smart about how she uses her money. Whereas, like, a Sonia Morgan, I'm like, Sonia's broke as a joke. Like, Sonia, you know, is... They're also practically all single now, except on uh, Beverly Hills. Most most of them married? Yeah, Yeah, I think so. But New York, they're all... New York, they're, they're all, all single. single single ladies yeah. <laughs> so it is changing yeah. i'm looking forward to the winter houses i love the housewives but i love the other shows too summer house they're a little bit younger it's fresh and yeah. it, it, you know it, it diversifies the content that you're getting especially when you have so many housewives shows like there's only so much housewives i can watch a week you know yeah. because it is very similar it's mm-hmm. a group of women we go on trips together we fight over petty stuff like you know and it's fun and it's enjoyable but you also have to make it palatable that's why when people always they're always asking me they're like what city do you think they should add on next and i'm like none they don't need to add any more cities right now. Like we have so many cities right now. Like we don't want to be over fatigued on it. That's why we had to cut off, you know, the weaker blood of DC and Miami and Dallas. I don't. I mean, I don't even know if Miami's going to be successful in its reboot. Like the re- like it didn't do very well the first time around. I don't know if anybody's really that invested in it. And then we're going to watch it on Peacock. Mm-hmm. I don't think I don't. I have no interest in watching Miami. Yeah, and we're getting tired of the goat yoga. We're getting tired of the hatchet throwing, the shamans. I mean, the stories are just recycled 
to the point where it's like we're over it. Pickleball. Yeah, pickleball. <laughs> <laughs> They've added that. Are you enjoying Vanderpump this season? I am enjoying it. I mean, it's a different show now. We have, you know, I know people love to sit on their high horse and hate Stassi, Kristen, and Jax. And, uh, you know, we'll be, I'll be the first to admit they're not great people, but we never put them on television because they were great upstanding <laughs> citizens. Like, we put them on television because they were terrible people. Um, and I think that, that, that they were such an integral part of the show. And we did watch them grow up a bit. You know, we did watch Jax get married. We watched Stassi, I think, has probably made the biggest character arc growth and progression you know settling down softening up having a baby getting engaged and now married so we were invested or even Kristen to a degree even though she's still single you know she bought a house like there are just these milestones that I think it would have been nice being that we were so invested in them to continue to follow those storylines obviously we don't get to now on the show and so I think the show is just kind of missing they were anchors on the show. Were they great? No. Were they villains at, at times? Most of the time, yeah. But they were still anchors on the show that the formula just feels, it, it, it feels different. And so I'm treading lightly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's definitely different. Do you think we're going to see the uh, takedown of Randall? <laughs> Is uh, Randall? No. I don't you think don't? No, I think they all like to ride the PJ. So they're all going to. Yeah, but don't you think that Randall is also a facade of money? That he doesn't oh, have he it. Is. Yeah, I think he is. But they're going to Lisa Rinna, Lisa Rinna and Kyle that situation where they're going to protect Lala and Randall. They're not going to drag them. If anything, you might get like a. Well, I don't think Ra- Raquel. You know, when she when she pulled out the Jenga and it said to make a toast, I was like, Uh, oh, somebody better clarify that she shouldn't go in the kitchen and make an avocado toast. She needs to make a (laughs) champagne toast. Like somebody, please, in production, explain this to Raquel. Um, Poor Raquel. Poor and Charlie. And Char, yeah, I can't with Charlie. Charlie's not touching my fucking eyebrows. That is not happening. Oh God. Get why people like Charlie. I I don't love Charlie. Raquel is not very interesting to me. And I've tried because I know people on the cast and close to the cast. And they're like, you have to give her a try. You have to give her a try. And I'm like, I'm trying. Like, I'm the little engine that could. And I'm running out of gas. So She got a lot of love last night. People were feeling sorry for her. Yeah, but and- why do you, like, I think they want us to feel sorry for her. Definitely. That doesn't make you interesting if I'm yeah. feeling sorry for you. Yeah, I mean, like, was I happy to see her get engaged? Sure. Am I invested in her life? Not really. I'm invested in James's life, but also because James is a really bad person. And right. he's had character arc and he's grown and he's in a different place in his life. Does Raquel need an opening credit? No. I agree. <laughs> we just keep saying poor Raquel. Poor Raquel. Yeah, poor Raquel. <laughs> That's really uh... That's the only thought anybody ever has about Raquel is poor Raquel. I mean, and clearly on the show, she's thinking the same thing. Well, yeah, she's just not a fit. And Charlie is a like an outcast, too. She doesn't fit in either. Not really. And what the hell is Rand doing as part of the cast now? I mean, he's even in the cast photo in the beginning. I'm like, aren't you a producer? Like, go produce. At some point, like Erica Jane says in her book, you got to pivot. If the music career isn't working out, you got to pivot to reality TV. (laughs) Too many bad movies. And on that note, the best ending of a conversation, (laughs) you got to just pivot. 
Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today, Zach. Oh, thank you, ladies. I had so much fun. Where can people find you? So you can follow me at Just Plain Zach. That's my my personal social handle. And then you can follow the show, the podcast at No Filter with Zach on Instagram. And the YouTube is available at youtube.com slash Just Plain Zach. Basically everywhere on the internet, I'm Just Plain Zach. And the show is No Filter with Zach. And the wine is available at nofilterwine.com. There is nothing like a dame, nothing in the world. There is nothing you can name that is anything like a dame.